can start. Um, okay. So my name is Carmen Lopez. Today is February 2nd, 2017, and I am here with... Laura Silver. At the Central Brooklyn Public Library uh, for the Our Streets, Our Stories 2016 Let's Talk project. So Laura, um, tell us your story about uh, 2016. Well, 2016 for me began in Chicago, actually. I was visiting my friend, Nina Frankel, who is my extraordinary twin. Really, we're not twins. We started off as evil twins. Our friend called us evil twins, but we're not evil. And we weren't really twins. I'm a few years older and she was few inches taller, but we were convinced that we were psychically bonded for life. So I began the year in Chicago visiting her and her family. She was there just visiting and um, she didn't come back to Brooklyn in, two, in 2016 because she was, she was quite ill and um, she was hoping to have better treatment there. She did have some, but ultimately um, she passed away. and. Um, she lived just up the block from me on President Street. And we called it, um, you know, we were really, we really believed in women's leadership. And um, so we renamed the street Sirleaf Street after Ellen Sirleaf Johnson, who's the woman president of Liberia. So, you know, I say she lived on President Street, but we called it Sirleaf. And um, so she passed away in July and for me, one of the crowning events of 2016 was cleaning out her apartment, actually. And that happened in August. And so it's a lot. She lived in the neighborhood maybe 10 years or more, 15, closer to 15. Yeah, 15. And I've lived here a little more than that. But um, it was a really um, in-depth way to review a very close friendship and also to interact with an apartment in Park Slope and the brownstone. So the apartment and the stoop, which is this important passageway, and then the sidewalk where we ended up putting so many of her belongings. But I, I wanted to tell this story as an homage to her because we spent a lot of time on her stoop. And it was you know, a time for bonding, and having some great snacks, and watching the world go by, and sharing confidences. And it was also a time for you know, making comments about the weird guy who pulled up in his old car with the radio blasting loud, and then running into friends, and seeing the occasional celebrity walk up the block, and having other friends stop by. So it was really like a hearth. The stoop you know, functioned as a hearth, and um, there was a team of us cleaning out the apartment. Brother, another very close friend, and then and other friends from her whole circle, and then friends of friends. We and um, so she was an artist and an illustrator, so she had a lot of tubes, um, these long mailing tubes, which she was going to ship her uh, artworks, you know, when she received orders of beautiful screen prints. And um, I'd like to think that if we lined up all those tubes, they could, you know, one on top of the other, they could kind of form, and then curved it at the top, they could form a kind of periscope 
to the afterworld and that we could, you know, we can still use those to communicate kind of like the tin can on a string that we would joke we, you know, we always wanted to extend from one house to the other. We were like a block and a half away. So what I'm, this was for me really the crowning event of 2016. There were so, it took a few days and there were a lot of preparations, movers, you know, I, I mostly took care of the human logistics and also the um, getting a moving company to deliver stuff. Of course, everything wasn't delivered. They had to come back, you know, one mishap after the other, but it's easy to fly off the handle when things go wrong like that. But then it's important to remember, oh, wait, like the crisis has happened. Like not, not getting the bubble wrap isn't, that's not really, that's not really what I'm upset about. <laughs> you know, that, that's actually fixable. The, the bigger problem is, um, oh, my friend is, is not going to come back to the street in the same form. But what's so beautiful is um, just the, the love and the caring and having so many tangible aspects of her to revisit and review and, and as difficult and grueling and challenging as it was to feel like, oh, I'm in the right place. This is what needs to happen. And it, it was heartbreaking to see all those items on the curb and to bring them to the curb and, and the sum of a life in modern times has to do with a lot of objects and someone who creates art uses many tools and what's so striking is I mean there I still have a picture of when we left the last night it was it was a very odd assemblage of almost a three-headed monster of sorts or monster's not the right word um a figure like um I almost want to say golem, which is this creature that was created out of clay, a mythic creature in Prague, by rabbis, I think, to protect Jews from a pogrom, from an onslaught of violence. And this felt like also a figure that not everyone can see and doesn't last forever, but it was, you know, a shelf and these, all these tubes. And then some of she had a project, one she did with kids also, which was creating paper mache heads, so globes with um, long necks. So almost like the shape of a balloon, but with a stem. And each one had a face with these big eyes, sometimes a mustache. Um, the one I have in my house has a heart on the, um, I think on its neck. And it, it looks a little like E.T. because evil twin or extraordinary twin is, of course, represented by E.T. So each original in its own palette. And so there were one or two left there because after a while we had, we had all taken what was most important to us. But there was this odd, almost effigy, not of one person, but of a life that stood there under the street lamps. And um, I, it's odd because the image is so clear in my mind, but I can't quite describe it. It's burnished, but not doesn't translate to words really it's this very visceral feeling and just walking here today i saw a storefront on 7th avenue and about 14th street where some of those paper mache heads were displayed where she made them with a group of kids 
So it's very poignant and sometimes um, painful to walk through the neighborhood where we spent even a lot of time and where we first really formed our friendship after she moved here. And I work not too far now, so I pass by the different apartments she lived at. Like one of, there's a city bike station in front of one of them and another friend and I, we call it, it's Nina's city bike station right near her old apartment. And occasionally we would, um, once or twice we met up in this, there's a churchyard between our houses on President Street. And um, it was almost the halfway point, a nice place to sit and chat. And some other friends and I made a video there to cheer her on. It's interesting. And our video, um, in the 80s, I think there was a German singer called Nina. And she had a song, 99 Luftballons. So we only had three balloons, but we wrote, a friend suggested writing 33 on each. So 33 times 3 is 99. And we did a a special uh, amateur music video, but beautifully edited edited by my friend. So we did that, and that, so this is another place emblazoned in the Park Slope landscape for me. Our video and also our time together and just her corner, you know, where often she'd say, let's have a quick goodbye instead of a long one because we had so much to say and I think I would usually make it last longer. And How do you feel the neighborhood transformed after this? After she died? Huh, thank you, it's a good question. I think it transformed even before because she didn't come back in 2016, actually. Like I was expecting her back, so it was transforming slowly. And there was not a full, but a slight coming to terms for me of the lack of her presence and and she would and I think finally I understand something she would say to me a lot like um, for a few years in there I traveled a bit you know I had some opportunities to travel and it's never the most I was away three months maybe but usually a week or two or something and she would say you know Park Slope it's not the same without you and it isn't, <laughs> it's not the same without her. Um, How did you guys meet? Um, we had a friend who, um, a college friend of mine, who one day called and said, was living in Seattle, and we had already been on a college, I don't know, not, I'd been on a college in almost a decade, a little less, and she said, I found your evil twin. You know, I work with this friend who, um, I have a friend at work, She's, she's also Jewish. I met her parents. They're like your parents. I mean, imagine, I'm almost 30 years old, but it's still, so that, and Tamara, our mutual friend, said, yeah, I went to her art show. I think you two have the same sensibility. And then on her desk, she had a record album of the Mahotela Queens, which is the South African singing group, a cappella women's singing group. And I have that album cover at my house now. They're all wearing picture must be from the 60s or 70s. They're wearing uh, turtlenecks and these like hip-hugging bell-bottoms. And they look, you know, they're, they're really of the day, but really assertive and powerful, and beautiful and sexy at the same time. And what's weird is when I was in South Africa, 
in about 2008, seven, that who was on the TV but the Mahotella Queens, who, who were then in their, um, probably in their 60s. And of course, I took a picture of the TV set and sent it to my ET. But that was interesting. So we had a cosmic connection. And truly, whenever I traveled, I would say, you know, I would be in touch. And, and of course, whenever I got home, I would be in touch. And when she, she went to Chicago frequently, and she would text me you know, upon landing at LaGuardia. So oh, it's a huge loss to go you know, entering and exiting to go away, even for a night or two, and then come back and be like, I'm back. <laughs> You know, and I, I still say that, but and I think she hears, but it is—it's a huge void, and I think that whole time that episode I was talking about on her stoop cleaning out the apartment was was like a grand farewell in some ways, because before her stuff was cleaned out, I met a friend of hers there and we spoke, and I felt like we were occupying that space, but now it's—it would be pretty weird to go sit on that stoop, but. I acknowledge it, and there's an amazing story. A few months ago, I came back from a run in Prospect Park, and I usually don't walk down President Street, but I did. And at the top of the block, near 8th Avenue, on someone's fence, it just started to rain slightly. There was a, a steady drizzle, steady, for a, at least an hour. And on someone's fence was, I saw from a distance this globe with a, a stand, like a thick stem. I was like, wait a minute. And I got close and it was one of Nina's heads. And it was, there it was. And it was raining, so the rain had you know, made a slight dent in the head, but I took it. And it, it was incredible. And, I mean, there, I can think of lots of ways to explain how it got there, but the, those explanations aren't what mattered to me. You know, it was really, that was huge to find, you know, to see her, her work on our street, <laughs> you know, waiting for me. And of course, I took that home and put it on my shelf next to some of her other artwork. So that's another layer, you know, that's, so it's still our street. And, but it's not the same. I don't know when I, one place we liked to go was Gaido, a Japanese restaurant on Flatbush Avenue. And the other night I really missed her and I thought, I'm tired, I wanna go home, but maybe, just maybe if I can go to Gaido, I, that, would, that feels right, but there were no seats. I'll sit at the counter and there were no seats. And I think, okay, that's okay too. So there are a lot of touch points and what do you think you learned from her? Oh my gosh, everything. Um, I think hmm. I mean, there's so many enduring lessons, but biggest is like I didn't think. I mean, when we first met, we were sort of set up as friends, right? But I didn't know she was going to move to New York. So I learned, I think, this is what I most try to keep with me. Like, it's, you never know what's around the corner. It's possible to have something wonderful and life-changing happen 
and evolve. Um, so I think that's the biggest lesson. I mean, there's so many small lessons, like, um, you know, some of her refrains, like, love yourself. Um, but I think what stands out most is really her sheer caring and how much she, what an amazing listener and the opportunity to, um, to go for it. A lot of her artwork and just work, writing work, all work, work teaching was about setting the stage and just creating the space for exchange and making people feel valued. And I, I do, it was a huge gift. Um, one night, <laughs> I was at her place, and we would do this thing which we called occupying each other's houses. This is around the time of the Occupy movement, and basically that meant like one of us goes over to the other person's house and sits there so the person whose house it is can get stuff done. Like we could be folding laundry, and sometimes we do it together. It could be sorting papers, folding laundry, doing taxes, just cleaning stuff up, making sense of the world, whatever. And um, that's a big gift. It's not, that's not an everyday kind of relationship. So that's one thing. What are you most thankful for, your friend? Oh, with my friend? I mean, that we had the opportunity to be friends. Like, I, that's the sort of the re refrain I keep telling myself in my grief that well, not everyone gets an, a, an extraordinary twin. Right? Like, we were, you know, we were supposed to grow old together and be, like, in the nursing home. We were like, oh, my God, when we go to the nursing home, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, you know, but, um, so that is a major bummer. But then I think, well, that was 15 amazing years of friendship. And, like, friendship, there's not, I don't feel like we even have the right words in English. You know, then someone said, well, she's like your sister. I was like, of course, but not it's more than that it's different there's a certain interwovenness so i feel really grateful to have experienced that because um and i also feel grateful to have been grateful for it in the moment because sometimes that gratitude doesn't come till after and i think that is one thing we really achieved is to be you know to have a cognizant understanding of how special that was and some of it is recorded in notes. And of course, I feel like, I'm not sure if I expressed it enough, but I can only hope I did. So it's a big point of gratitude that I got to have someone like that, so close to me, literally and figuratively. I'm sure she's also grateful for your friendship. Oh, totally, we're like, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. It was a really special opportunity. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So, one of what I forgot to mention is one of the most important landmarks and locations in this neighborhood is right where we are right now. The a location that's important to me and to Nina is um, this Brooklyn Central Library branch. And a few years ago when there was a contest for um, funding for historic sites, we got to come on a behind the scenes tour here. 
and we went downstairs into the vaults and the storage area, and we went on the roof. We had an amazing guide who was the head librarian, and we were both so enthralled and tickled and um, delighted to see you know, the banal and beautiful spaces of this building, from the parking lot <laughs> to the back offices. And as a result, Nina started an art project, a pamph booklet that she, she was making, which was an ode, it's a beautiful ode to the library. And she interviewed different friends and family members and included them in what was kind of, was a graphic novel, but more expansive. A I'd say a graphic meditation and homage to the library. And there was a line in that that said, it reminds her of how she feels at her best when she's learning new things and um, drawing about them, writing about them. And I think that's really what the library is about. And I'm really pleased and honored to live in a place where you can walk into this. It's like a temple of learning where anyone can be elevated and find new experiences and opportunities. And so this is a great place to commune with Nina and all she believed in and to feel and to see other people reaping the benefits and the opportunities of learning, of, of great illustration and great stories. And um, it, it's an honor to be in this place sharing this story of her with you. Thank you. Sure.